Welcome to Live the Dream. That name in itself tells you what the program is all about. It's about knowing not only about what you don't want, but finding out how to define and live the life that you do want. Now, here's your host, Karen Dillon, and co-hosts, Marissa Marseille and Tom Pearson. Hello, everyone. This is Karen Dillon, host of the show, Live the Dream. This is the show where we talk about topics around achieving the dreams that you have for yourself, you know, and creating the life that you've always wanted, you know, life that um, leads to actual happiness and satisfaction, because isn't that what everybody is really after? You know, we attempt to get it in different ways, but when we can be genuine about what we want, we can actually create a shortcut for ourselves to give, uh, get the happiness that we're truly after. And so today, the topic is going to be pretty interesting. And the reason I say it's interesting, because it's a little bit different from what people typically associate with um, achieving goals and dreams. And a lot of it can be about, you know, um, I don't know, becoming uh, that type of person or some spirituality, or it could be about hard work. Um, But today, we're going to be talking a little bit about um, an internal state of a person. Okay, and so the word that we're going to focus on today, uh, that word is congruent. Okay, I'll say the word again, it is congruent. Now, the first thing to really focus on about this word is what does that mean? Because it's a word I'm sure we're all familiar with. We have heard it before in our lives. Um, But what does it actually mean? Okay, so most of us got introduced to this word, I'm guessing, in, um, you know, middle school geometry with congruent triangles. And, you know, in that space, it's kind of two triangles that are sort of similar to each other or or similar to each other in like a specific way Um, without getting into two technical definitions. You know, if you take a triangle and hold hold it up to the mirror, the mirror image of that triangle is congruent with the actual triangle. You know, they're kind of similar. And there's other technical definitions, but that's really not the point. The point is that... Uh, something is congruent with something else when they are similar in some specific aspects. So if we apply this now to ourselves, what does it mean for a person to be congruent? Okay, How would you say that a person is you know, congruent with what, whatever that they're um, either talking about or saying that they can do? So a person is congruent if they can not only talk the talk, but also what? Yeah, if they can walk the walk, right? So for a person to not only be able to say that they can do something, but actually be able to deliver on what they're talking about. If they can do that, then we say that this person is congruent with what they're, talk- with, with what they're saying. So what does it take to be congruent? What does it take for a person, you know, it, dep- it doesn't matter what space or field that they're talking about, but in order to be congruent, there are some specific things that are needed. Okay, and the first thing that's needed for a person to be congruent with anything is authenticity. Okay, authenticity, just the ability to be authentic. So what does that mean? What does it mean to be authentic? Obviously, we know the word, right? It means to be real, not fake, to be actually real about something. Okay, so if you're actually authentic, especially in your desire or your intention of going after something, the chances of getting it are much higher. But in general, if you think about, you know, the, uh, uh, being authentic, you know, of course, it's in a person's interest. Uh, it's in their best interest to be authentic. But then the question is, why are some people not authentic? 
Okay. What, so if you're not authentic, how does, how does somebody behave who's not being authentic? Okay. If you're not being authentic, you behave sort of in an opposite way, which is essentially you behave in a way where you're seeking other people's what? The word is approval. Okay. Because when you're authentic, when you're genuine, right, you are true to who you are, whether people approve of you or not is really immaterial, right? You are who you are and that's what you are okay with. So the opposite of that is that people operate in a way where, you know, they may not be comfortable with who they are. So they operate in a way that they're seeking approval. So why do people seek approval? Right? It's because they want people to like them, right? They want to fit in. They want to... Um, you know, not create waves or not create conflict. You know, there could be many reasons why, why people, um, you know, seek the approval of others. You know, and one of the biggest things is, of course, they want people to like them. But does that really work? Does that actually, is that if actually an effective way for people to like you and appreciate you and respect you? I mean, if you th let's take an example. You know, if there's somebody around you who's constantly seeking your approval. And they're always like, hey, you know, hey, do, do you like me? Do you, do you like what I did? Is this good? Hey, do you like this? Uh, am I okay? You know, is this fine? Um, how would you feel about a person like this? Would you just really be like, wow, this is a great person? Or would you just be annoyed the hell out of this person and say, just get the hell away from me, right? Most of the people have the second response where they're like, they just don't want to be around people who are constantly needy and uh, approval seeking like this, right? So the point I'm making is that when somebody is in uh, exhibits behaviors where they, they're constantly seeking other people's approval, the response that they create in the other person is the exact opposite, right? where they, in fact the other person doesn't like them, okay? Um, they want to get away from them. So if that's the case, how does this start? I mean, how do people become people who constantly need the approval of others, or even if it's, you know, in different circumstances. Are we born with this need or this desire? The evidence is actually we're not, because if you look at a baby, I mean, when a baby needs food, what does it do? It cries. It will cry its head off until somebody gives it food. It doesn't give a crap whether you like the fact that it cries or not, right? It is going to cry. It's going to get its demands met. So the point is that we're not born with this behavior. So how do we acquire this behavior of seeking others' approval? Now, obviously, we pick it up along the way while we're growing up. How does this happen? I mean, we can just take an example to, to understand how this happens. You know, it happens usually in our childhood, you know, with parents. I mean, just to take an example, let's say we have a, a, good, a kid, you know, who's good in school. They always get good grades. They do well. You know, they stay out of trouble. And then... All of a sudden, you know, one day they come back and, you know, something's happened and they've got all D's on their report card, okay? Um, and they've got complaints from their teachers about their behavior and a whole bunch of other things. So when the kid shows up like this with a in report card full of D's, what, what do you think is going to happen, okay? Obviously, you know, the, to, uh, to be expected that the parents are going to be pretty upset, right? They're going to get mad at the kid. You know, they might even yell at him and say, like, what the hell, you know, what's going on? What is going on with you? You know, what's wrong? What's wrong with you? So when this happens, there is another concept that comes into play, okay? And this is a concept that's not familiar for most people. And this is a concept of um, the phrase that we can sort of talk about this in terms of is called harmful acts, okay? So let's get into this a little bit 
a harmful acts. Like if you think about what a harmful act is, is something that you did that harmed somebody. Okay, that's the phrase. That's what the, the meaning of that phrase is. It's a harmful act. So how does this apply to what we're talking about? The example that I just gave you. So if a kid, like we say, comes back from school, he's got bad grades, the parents are all mad and angry and, you know, and they're yelling. He's like, what the hell's going on? What, what have you been up to? How is the kid responding to that, right? W what is the message that the kid is getting, okay? Now, many times the kid will be like, whoa, I did really something wrong. My parents got really upset. <clears throat> so I need to change this. I need to go, you know, maybe study, work hard, get good grades, so that what my parents don't get mad at me okay so the kid feels that by getting good grades they committed a what a harmful act it hurt their parents and the parents got mad and then they yelled at them so they go and then they get good grades for what reason to make sure that their parents are happy okay what could be the other reason they should get good grades well, because it is, education is valuable. If they actually study hard, they'll do well, they'll be, they'll be more successful in life, okay? Now, it's a subtle difference, but that subtle difference creates a huge um, change or a, or a huge change in the, in the way the person perceives themselves. So, you know, because on one side, a person could be, hey, I committed a harmful act. I got to fix this. I got to make sure my parents don't get mad at me. Or the other side could be, well, you know, I got to make sure I get good grades so that I do well in life. Okay. So, like I said, it's a subtle difference, but it makes a huge difference on how the person perceives themselves. Um, uh, and so, you know, we don't control the situation or environments when we grow up. So many people get this message that you have to behave in certain ways so that people like you. And if you are behaving in ways that people don't like you, then you are committing harmful acts. And you need to modify your behavior so that you stop committing these acts. And the only way you know whether you're committing harmful acts or not is, by, is based on people's response. And so this then becomes the source of approval-seeking behavior that we've all seen in many people. You know, many, Most of us have approval-seeking behaviors in one space or the other. Okay. Um, you know, in business, I've seen this many, many times because you have, and typically, you know, if you have someone providing a service to a client, the way you see approval seeking behavior show up is that they will just over serve the client. They will give, you know, hours and hours of service and not charge them. Now, when you're giving a lot of hours of service to your client and not even charging them for it, what happens to the value of your service in the mind of the client? Do you think they, they're so grateful that you're amazing at providing the service or do you think it devalues or ser your service? You know, obviously, you understand the answer. It doesn't help the relationship. The, what I tell some people, you know, my clients is that the fastest way to lose a client is to overserve them. Okay, Because if you flip this thing around, if you look at like a big company, like a cell phone company, do you think they even will give you five minutes of free time without charging you as a regular customer? No, they don't give a crap. You're just a, you know, a number on their, uh, on their list in their database. And so they're not going to give you anything for free. And people respect that because most people expect to pay for a service that's provided. But you see this, especially in small business all the time, where business owners will go above and beyond and over-serve the client. And in fact, it creates false expectations and it damages the relationship.
right? And that's an example of them being inauthentic, okay? Because when a person is being genuine and being authentic, how do you think the other person responds to that? Do you think it creates, you know, the response, usual response, is it actually creates a sense of respect. People can trust somebody who's being authentic. And do you know when a person is being authentic versus inauthentic? You know, most of us can tell. Okay, you might be able to get away with it, you know, every now and then here and there, fool a few people, but eventually people will come, uh, feel, figure it out. And that, that's why it is always, you know, being authentic and true to yourself is always the most powerful place to come from because it creates the most trust in people. Okay. And so that's the first step in being congruent, in being actually able, being able to deliver on the things that you're looking to deliver. Um, and actually, you know, just to uh, talk about this for a second, we started this show about or uh, this episode with the concept of live the dream. Okay. So when we are saying that you want to be able to deliver, what is it that we're talking about? Okay. We're talking about being able to deliver on the goals that you've set for yourself. Okay. On the being able to create the type of life that you've established for yourself. And so that's what we're talking about. The first thing, the first and the most important step is you have to be authentic and genuine about wanting to achieve it. You know, it shouldn't be just a wish or a weak desire. It is that I'm genuine, genuinely and authentically going to go after this and going to pursue it and achieve it. And I will not stop until I get it. Okay. So in order to do this, then you actually have to have the next um, step in this, which is you have to have the confidence to be able to take the right actions. Because it is not enough to just be authentic. You know, it's fine to be authentic and have real genuine desire, but if you don't do anything about it, nothing is going to happen, okay? So for that, you have to have the next step. Like I said, you have to have the confidence to take the right actions, okay? And take the actions in a timely manner as well. But there is a third thing that's required, which is you have to have the right technique, okay? Just because you're taking actions doesn't mean you will get the results that you are uh, looking for. You also have to refine your technique so that you are creating um, results at the, the level of quality that you want, okay? Because many people don't pay attention to this third part. They're like, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. But the question is, how effective are you at it? And in uh, order to determine how effective you are at it, you have to determine how good you are. So are you measuring your results? Are you refining and developing the techniques that are going to get you to where you want to go? Okay. So, you know, a lot of times that we talk about this um, when we work with clients, you know, at the contractor's coach, what we focus on is helping clients develop a business that runs without the daily involvement of the business owners. Most of the time, we, when we start working with clients, they have a business that essentially owns their life. Okay, it doesn't matter what size it is, okay? Whether it's a $1 million business or a you know, $40 million, it doesn't matter. It's something we see across the board. This is a business they've developed, you know, they work in the business day and night, and they're essentially the hardest working employee in the business. Um, our goal is to help the clients develop a business that essentially runs without them and doesn't require their daily involvement because that really is the purpose of having a business, that the business gives you the type of life that you want where you can enjoy it. You know, if you've heard our other episodes, we talked about the two things you need to have a life that you want is you need to have the right amount of money and you can decide what that is. And you have to have the time to enjoy the money or the life that the money will provide. 
Okay, if you have one without the other, you you know your life still sucks. Okay, so you have to have both in order to do that. You have to run a business a very specific way, and we call that a B quadrant business. You know, it's it's a concept that comes from a book called Rich Dad Poor Dad. Um, and so, in order to develop a B quadrant business, you have to be able to be congruent with somebody that runs a business like that. Okay, so the question then you have to ask yourself is. Am I being, as a business owner, am I being congruent with uh, someone that can run this type of business? Okay, so how do you know if you're being congruent with that? Okay, so the first thing you have to ask yourself is, am I being authentic about it? Am I genuinely interested, not just, not that I just want this, but am I genuinely, authentically going to pursue developing a business that looks like this, that gives me the free time and the money that I want to enjoy life? Okay, and then am I, going, am I taking the actions that are going to be necessary. Do I have enough confidence to take those actions? Because if you are not there yet, some of the actions you might have to take might freak you out, okay? So am I generally taking those actions? And finally, how effective are my actions? Yeah, I might be doing something, but am I getting the results that I want? And how good am I at measuring those results and comparing them to you know, the goals that I have for myself? So if you're doing this, then this is a great example of somebody who is actively involved in developing a congruency with somebody who could have a business that runs without them, that gives them the money, and as well as gives them the free time um, to enjoy the life that that money can provide, okay? And this is just only one example. You can measure your congruency with anything in life, any goal that you've set for yourself, okay? You just have to measure the congruency in these three, uh, um, these three distinct attributes, I should say how authentic you are uh, about going after what you're looking for, how confident are you, are you taking the right actions, and then when you are taking the actions, do you have the right technique, how effective are your actions, okay? So after the break, we're gonna have Marisa Marseille, our master business coach, and she's gonna give you some real life examples of how people have applied this principle, of how when they started out, there was a whole host of problems. You know, they were not being authentic with themselves about what they were going after, even though they kept saying that's what they want. And then how they went through the process of actually becoming congruent with what they want and creating, you know, the desired results they have for themselves, right? So she will take you through this after the break. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers channel we don't follow we lead join us the voice america influencers channel you are listening to live the dream to reach the show live today please call in to 1-866-472-5795 that's 1-866-472-5795 or send an email to karen that's K-A-R-A-N at thecontractorscoach.com. Now, back to Live the Dream. 
Welcome back from the break. This is Marisa Marseille with The Contractor's Coach. And today we're talking about the topic of authenticity. And actually, the word that we started with uh, before the break was being congruent. And specifically being congruent with where you want to go, with that dream is, so that you can actually live your dream. Now, uh, what I want to cover is basically the day-to-day examples that we see from our clients. So, relate this into real life and also business, right? So, how does this topic of not being authentic come up in business and the problems that it creates and how someone can actually go about uh, changing that? So, as you uh, know or probably assume from the name of our company, we coach a lot of contractors. So, in this industry, there's actually, you know, let's face it, they get a, they get a bad reputation for um, lack of authenticity. Maybe it's not set that way, but the biggest complaint is, you know, contractors will tell you that it's going to cost a lot less and it's going to take, you know, less time, right? So everybody goes in with that kind of reputation that they don't trust those numbers. So let's talk a little bit about where that comes from, because I think it really relates to the topic that we're talking about today. So where I see this uh, lack of authenticity is in uh, around the area of, of having really tough conversations. Right? So that's where we start with this thought about, well, someone's not going to be happy with what I have to say. And if they're not going to be happy with what I have to say, they're not going to like me. And if they don't like me, then something really bad is going to happen and I don't want to go that route. Right? So that's actually what we see in business. So in construction, what that looks like is uh, almost like every aspect of the business, right? Because it's something that's very unpredictable, right? Even if somebody is very conscientious and they go and they look at the project and they look at the site and they look at all the details that they can look at, at the end of the day, a lot of what's really going to happen doesn't show up until they start doing the work. Right? They can't see what's behind the wall that they're going to tear down until they do it. They can't see what's under the floor until they go and look. Right, So a lot of things are things that they can't see, and they're putting together bids. They're putting together numbers and timelines and schedules based on the unknown. So what happens is nobody likes to have the conversations to tell a client, well, uh, sorry, but your budget's not going to be enough. Or, sorry, but your timeline, you know, it's, it's impossible. It's never going to happen. It's not realistic, right? Or even handling the whole change order situation of tearing down that wall and seeing that it doesn't look like anything that you thought uh, when you actually bit the job and having to tell someone that it's going to cost more and take longer to keep going with the project, right? So a lot of these things go on and on. We have not just clients, but, um, you know, general contractors that will work with subcontractors. Same idea, the sub coming to the general and telling them, you know, uh, it's, I'm not going to be there uh, next week. I'm going to have to be there after or it's going to take longer. I'm going to have to change the number. All of this actually uh, trickles up and down in, this, in, in projects where the tough conversations are not being um, had. And what happens is actually, like, like Karen mentioned earlier, the opposite of the effect that somebody wants. So the, the intention in not having these conversations is to try to keep that client happy, right? To try to keep them happy with you so the project goes as smooth as you can possibly uh, can and that you get paid, right? But at the end of the day, when you're avoiding these conversations 
and you're not being authentic about time and money and what's really happening, uh, what what's going to happen with that client? Are they going to like you as soon as the, the truth starts coming out, right? And the answer, of course, is no. Right now, they're going to mistrust you. Now, it's going to be a really kind of uncomfortable and awkward situation to meet with them in person and point more and more things out, right? So instead of actually making it better, it makes it worse, right? So where does this come from, right? Where where does this lack of authenticity come from? Now, it doesn't really come from intention, right? The the people that I work with are uh, amazing people and they want to do right by the customer and they want to be realistic and they're trying their best to make it work. Right? So it's not coming from intention of, of uh, hiding things. It's really coming from an area that's um, in a way much simpler to deal with. And it's the area of actually not knowing how to have that conversation. Right? So when Karen talked about, okay, it's not, not enough to be aware of how authentic or not authentic you're being, but what are you going to do about it? Right? So how do you become more authentic? So the first thing that you want to do is you want to tie it into uh, confidence, right? And what happens in, in all of these situations that I just talked about, every single one of them, what's lacking is a confidence around having that tough conversation. The conversation where you're going to say, you know, sorry, I know you have a timeline, but I am not going to start the job. I'm not going to have a single guy over here until I have the finished plans and all the information that I need. Right or having to tell somebody that um, you know there's all these crazy change orders because things are not like they are supposed to be, or that their budget is not enough, or that their timeline, uh, even the even just the permits are going to go beyond the timeline. Right, so nobody actually, um, I shouldn't say nobody, but when they're not being authentic, what's happening is people are not having the confidence on being able to handle these situations. And what I mean is really just having the conversation, right? I, I worked with a client that his biggest concern where this was coming from is that he was afraid that if he actually had this kind of conversation with anybody, right, whether it be a colleague or a client or anybody, he would actually end up losing his temper. And he was afraid of that, right? You know, he said, I don't know how to handle those conversations. People get emotional, uh, it's, it starts feeling like it's unfair to me and I start losing my temper and I'm a very direct person. And by the end of this whole ordeal, everybody's mad, everything's worse. And so I avoid them, right? I, I, I try not to have these conversations so I can keep everything, uh, everybody happy. Now, of course, you can see the problem with this, right? Nobody's going to be happy at the end. Everything's going to be worse. And if we're talking about living your dream, You're not going to live your dream if in your business, which is what's going to give you the income to have that dream, you are actually losing money left and right by not addressing uh, reality and, and being very clear with clients. So the way that we looked at this was, okay, how do you build that confidence, right? And Karen mentioned that the way that you build that confidence is you also need to understand what, what's the right technique, to be authentic around the, you know, the, the area that you want to become more authentic, right? So in this case, well, how do you get more skilled about having these really tough conversations, right? So I want to share with you uh, what this client did because it was an amazing transformation on how he went from really completely avoiding any kind of negative conversation 
to being a master of them and really understanding people and, and how to really say what he always needed to say and what he meant to say and having really great results from not just uh, clients but employees and even in his personal life. So we did three things, right? And one of them was I, um, I suggested a book that if you have a pen right now, I would suggest that you jot, jot it down or, or you can, you know, come back here and, and listen and remember. But uh, I recommend this, this book called Crucial Conversations. So the total, uh, the complete name is Crucial Conversations, Tools for Talking When Stakes Are High. And the author is Carrie Patterson. It's a really great book. I read it myself. That's, you know, why I started recommending it because um, I was dealing with a lot of these issues with clients about having these tough conversations. And what I like about this book is that it actually gives you a step-by-step process. It doesn't just, you know, tell you, yeah, you should have the conversation and go try it and hear some examples. It actually walks you through uh, what's happening during these conversations from the other person's point of view and a step-by-step process to create a safe environment where you actually can handle any topic, you can handle any emotion, and you can end up in a win-win situation. Uh, so you can use this for any of the things that I was talking about here in terms of work, but even in, in uh, personal and something that I, that I saw in that book that I, I haven't seen and, and many others that I really liked is uh, it gave you kind of a, uh, a spectrum of how your skill around this is going to improve. So the examples that the author gives are divided into um, three buckets. And he says something like, when you are okay at handling this kind of conversation, you may sound like this. And then he says, and when you, good, when you get good at it, you may sound like this. And once you get great at it, you're actually going to sound like this, right? So when you read the examples from that perspective, it's really easy to see how this is actually a skill and how you need practice and how the other person actually may be feeling on the other side when you are getting better at handling your end of things. So so very strongly recommend the book. It's going to help you in all areas where you're having a tough time having those conversations that a lot depends on them. The other thing that uh, this client worked on is uh, something that you may have heard of uh, before, but it's a, an assessment that's called the DISC profile. And you can find one online. There's, there's a lot of versions of them. You can go to um, discprofile.com, and that's uh, D-I-S-C profile.com. And what the DISC is, is it's actually an assessment of a behavioral style. And what they do is basically they, you know, they give you some questions and then they put you in one of four buckets of different types of behaviors. And what's really interesting about assessing uh, yourself is that not only does it give you obviously a lot of insight about how you work, but it starts giving you insight about other people and how other people are truly different in the way that they hear the same words or they react to the same situations, it starts giving you that kind of safe uh, space where you don't take things so personally and you really understand that uh, it's not about you and it's not even sometimes about what you're saying, but it's how you're saying it, right? So very interesting to know, like to handle these conversations, uh, you're not having them by yourself. So understanding you and understanding the other person 
allows you to adapt, you know, uh, little details like even how fast you're talking or how close you're standing or are you making eye contact or not, right? You, you learn some techniques that allow you to get better and better at dealing with people. And the better that, that, that you get at that, the easier these conversations uh, become, right? So that's another thing that I strongly recommend. Uh, on an aside, it also will help you a lot with sales and understanding uh, how to have those sales conversations. And the third thing that um, this client worked on was actually um, another book that I recommended. It's very tied in with the DISC profile, and it's called uh, Room Full of Referrals. So again, Room Full of Referrals. The author is uh, Dr. Tony um, Alessandra. So in this book, uh, kind of following up what I just said, it actually gives you all those details of when you put the people in those buckets, right? How to adapt your language and your behavior so that communication can be at its best. So that's all it really is. It doesn't mean that you're changing who you are because after all, we are talking about authenticity right now. We're not talking about becoming a different person every time that you're having a conversation. We're talking about adapting your style to actually get a good result. And when you do that, you actually build the confidence that you can handle talking about anything. And it circles back to being very authentic. So a lot of uh, today, my example has been around conversations. Uh, this actually impacts not only clients, like I mentioned, uh, but it actually also impacts the side of managing employees. And that's another area that a business owner needs to be very congruent with uh, his goals because after all, the kind of businesses that we coach our clients to build are the kind of businesses where they can actually uh, step away from them if they wanted to. And to do that, you have to have a very good team. And if you're having the same issue of not being able to have these uh, conversations, not being able to be authentic with your own team, you're going to get into big trouble also. Right? Uh, with clients, you're going to see trouble in the numbers and profitability. Uh, on the inside, with employees, you're going to see very serious problems in culture. Right? So when you cannot actually manage your employees and tell them, uh, let's say, what they're doing wrong, right? or that they need improvement, or that this is allowed or this is not allowed, when you have the fear that a harmful act is going to come from this conversation, meaning, well, maybe they're going to get mad at you, not like you anymore, and quit. Right? When, when you're coming from that, uh, then you're going to avoid really managing your team that, the way that you need to manage them. And you're going to hinder yourself in creating that team that's going to allow you to live your dream. Okay? So very similar uh, solutions for this in terms of techniques. The three that I mentioned apply to your team as well. Uh, in addition, you can have a little bit more of the practical side of things at work like creating very, uh, first starting by uh, establishing very uh, specific roles for your company. You can do a very specific job descriptions. You can think about uh, performance evaluations. You can make things a lot more objective to help you and, and to guide you through managing people. But it's another area that you also need to be very authentic in order to get the results that you want. So hopefully that gives you a few tools. So I mentioned two books and an assessment that you can take, and there's a lot more information online about the, the DISC profile that I mentioned. And that's going to help you in the area of um, being authentic in conversations. That's personally what I have 
found from experience that it's the hardest area for people saying things that we know people are not going to like to hear. So we're going to go on break right now. And when we come back, uh, our other co-host, uh, Tom Pearson, is going to share even um, more examples with you. So see you after the break. Get Unchained. Tune in every Monday for Jane Unchained on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Featuring nationally recognized, best-selling author, TV journalist, and social media influencer, Jane Velez Mitchell. This program takes you inside a trending lifestyle that's the next wave of human evolution. It all starts on your plate. If you want to revolutionize your life, get happier, more energized, then discover the secret. Tune in to Jane Unchained Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Live the Dream. To reach the show live today, please call in to 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. Or send an email to Karen. That's K A R A N at thecontractorscoach.com. Now, back to Live the Dream. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Pearson, and I am one of the master business coaches at The Contractors Coach. And I'm going to chime in here on this third segment here to share some of my experiences and thoughts around the topic of being congruent uh, and living a congruent life. Uh, And in doing so, let me just pick up where both Karen and Marisa have uh, talked about what does this really mean? Put it into my words a little bit. It's think about it as a formula, okay, that to be congruent means that there are three basic pieces to live in life uh, in congruency. And that those three pieces are being authentic, having confidence, and having good technique. Okay? So Karin and Marisa have talked about all about these pieces, and I'm just going to give you sort of my perspective on it as well. Starting with the first piece, authenticity or being authentic. And this is really means being true to who you are, to yourself. You know, what you believe, what you feel is right, right? Living in that state, okay? Being real to who you are or who you even want to be, okay? Who you want to be as well. You could still be authentic because that's who you want to be. What isn't authentic is when you are living or acting in ways that is motivated primarily to seek the approval of other people, to seek other people's acceptance, to fit in, as Karin said. And interestingly, the real response in most cases that you get uh, or that the impression that you make on another person is one that actually creates disapproval uh, for the other person of you. They actually become annoying to them because you're so obviously acting in ways to seek other people's acceptance, you know, to be like them, to agree with everything they say, right? So that is um, a little bit about being authentic. Now, the second part of the formula is confidence. 
And this is really confidence in being in your own ability to be to to carry on these conversations, to act or speak in this way of of being authentic, to be who you really are, right? That you're capable of doing this and doing it well. You're taking the right actions. It's really confidence is certainly an attitude. Okay, I can do this. I can take this action. I can be this way. Think about tough conversations that you might have to have with employees or clients, right? This is what goes through your mind. Do I have the confidence? You can hear your little voice, you know, constantly talking. Are you ready for this? Do you know what to say? Um, are you capable of doing this well, right? Or is it all going to go wrong on you, right? So confidence is a key step in being able to uh, live congruently, be a, live in congruence, okay? So that's the second step. The last one is technique. The third one is technique. And this is really about how effective you are at the actions that you're taking, you know, the, the whatever it is that you're doing or, or, or whatever it is that you're communicating, okay? Technique matters. I think Marisa said she referred to it as a skill. It is a skill. It is something that you can learn. It is something that you can plan, you can get better at, you can rehearse, okay? It's like many other things, like being like becoming a better salesperson. This is a technique. Okay, you can practice this. We sometimes talk actually about. I often talk about communication anyway, and the and we we at the contractors coach often stress there are two parts of communication. There's content and context. Okay, the content is what you have to say. The content is how you say it how you deliver it. And that's more of what I'm talking about here, the technique for delivering and being the person that you really want to be, to be authentic, okay, in whatever it is you're communicating or whatever it is you're doing. So again, this can be rehearsed, planned, practiced. You know, I like to say practice doesn't necessarily make perfect, but practice makes peaceful, okay, meaning you're peacefully confident in what it is you're about to do. So, those are the three elements, authenticity, confidence, and technique, and if all done well, uh, then you can live and be congruent in your life. With, and the question is, what areas of your life do you want to be more congruent in? Well, we're here mostly to talk about in this in the context of you as a, a business owner, okay, and being more congruent as a business owner. Now, I was listening to Marisa, and Marisa was talking more around how this plays out with uh, interactions that you might have and relationships that you have with your clients uh, and also your subs, people that are working for you as subcontractors and some of the situations that, that a business owner or contractor finds himself in, uh, as well as with clients and some of the pleasing um, types of, of, of actions that that a contractor would take to win the acceptance or the, or the approval of, of their, their clients. I want to talk about it more from uh, the stance or the, uh, from the position of the contractor business owner with their employees, because that's another major sort of audience, I guess you'd say, employees that a contractor um, interacts with and leads, actually, um, Every day, right? And so how does this come up with your employees? Well, there's a lot of different ways that it plays out with your employees. Um, and I'll say just right off the top, if it's not done, if you're not congruent, if your employees don't believe that you're being authentic, 
you're going to lose their respect. They're not going to take you seriously. Okay. So that's what you have to lose. And we talked about, or I just mentioned earlier, Karin mentioned about when you're seeking approval or seeking acceptance or not willing to make the tough decisions or have the tough conversations that everybody knows should be had. Of course, you're going to be met with disapproval and you're going to be met with, um, you know, not being respected. That's what the outcome will be. So that's why this is so important. You don't always have to be right. You may, you're not always going to be right, in fact. Uh, you're just doing the best you can. You're making the best decision you know uh, that, that you believe is, is, is to be made at that time, given the information that you have. Okay? People can easily uh, excuse or look past bad decisions okay? because you're going to make them. You're going to make mistakes. Everybody does. Right? But if they knew that you were coming from a place of your truth while you were making that decision, you made that decision based on what you believed, it's a whole lot easier for people to accept those mistakes and still hold you in high respect, okay? Because again, at the you know, bottom line is everybody knows that they make mistakes too, okay? So that's, now let's talk about again, the employee relationship here. One example that comes up uh, with very frequently, well, actually, there's a number of examples that come up very frequently where the business owner contractor is not being congruent and authentic in their conversations with employees really comes from a place of fear. Okay, what do I mean by that? The business owner is fearful that if they have a very frank conversation, um, and think about these conversations more in the context of critical conversations, being critical of somebody's performance uh, or their behavior, that they're going to lose a key person in their business. The person will say, screw you, and quit, right? There's plenty of jobs out there. It's real easy for them to get reemployed if they're skilled, okay? And that's what the business owner fears. So they're, they're walking on eggshells, right? because they don't want to upset the person and have this be a reason why the person leaves and then leaves a big hole in their team and it's really difficult or time consuming to fill that position with somebody else that is as good or better, et cetera, et cetera, right? So they're fearful of what might happen um, of a negative consequence for having, for addressing, uh, you know, bad behavior um, and bad, bad attitude. From, a, from an employee. These are the obvious areas where this shows up, okay? Having employees that are late, often, okay? The job, it's been, everybody knows that the job starts, everybody's supposed to be there at, say, 8 o'clock in the morning, strapped up and ready to work, 8 o'clock a.m., and yet, consistently, an employee shows up at 8.30 or 9 or whatever, and sometimes doesn't even show they no-show you. What impact this is having, of course, on the other employees is not good, right? That this doesn't get addressed would be terrible message for the other employees. You'd basically be conditioning the other employees to believe that it's acceptable to be late or to no-show, no-call, okay? So 
the, um, this is a, a confrontational you know, situation where the, uh, the contractor or business owner needs to step up to the plate, be true to their feelings, and let this person know this is not acceptable. And if it doesn't get addressed or doesn't get changed, there's going to be a consequence. Okay? But again, what you're not being authentic and not being congruent as a business owner when you know this isn't acceptable, this isn't helping you run your business, this is sending a bad message to everybody else, and yet you put up with it, right? You accept it, you excuse it, okay? Be out of fear. The other, you know, so it could be their tardiness um, or their, you know, their, their um, attendance record is poor, okay? And let's say they're on the job. Productivity, once they're working, their work output is poor, okay? The quality of the work is poor or the speed of the work is substandard, okay? Think about that. And I can't tell you how many times that it's actually accentuated by the fact that the person, the employee who's underperforming is a family or a friend of the owner. Now, this adds a whole other dimension to things now because now they don't just fear that the person may leave. They also fear that the person, that they'll lose the personal relationship they have with that employee. Okay. It's going to be really awkward seeing this person at, at functions with other friends. You know, you, should, you may have friends in common or, of course, you got family members, family events. This is going to be very awkward. I don't like awkward. It makes me uncomfortable. So, therefore, I'm just going to let it slide. I'll be seething, though, underneath it all, you know, and, uh, but ah, I just, I don't want to risk it. I don't want to risk it. So think about how often that might be happening. You know, it's very, very common. And when it comes to actually giving performance reviews, I have clients that when they come to me, they've never given any of their employees a formal uh, or maybe even an informal, much less a formal performance review. Why is that the case? Well, in some cases, they certainly welcome the fact that the, the good employees, they'd love to give them feedback. But if I have to go across the board and I've got some employees that are not performing well, now that becomes a problem, right? So I'd rather give none than have to go through the process or the pain of giving some of the employees that deserve uh, a more critical performance review. I don't want to risk it. Okay, I don't want the fallout that might happen from that because uh, they may now walk around with a different attitude, even worse attitude, not that it was good to begin with, right? But it could possibly be worse, right? And that's what they fear, okay? The performance reviews. You know, it's always a situation though, you think about, you know, performance reviews are meant to be balanced, balanced feedback. There's probably something good to say to this individual, but what do we, what do we think about? What do we dwell on? We dwell on the part of the conversation that will be the critical where you're being critical of them and what that might amount to. They may get very defensive. They may get angry, frustrated. Uh, they may blame you for it. And, you know, this is all unwanted reaction uh, that you're, that therefore avoid, you know, avoid it, avoid it is what happens often, you know. So you don't put the person, uh, have this critical conversation with them uh, for the performance feedback. And some of them warrant, really do warrant being put on some sort of performance plan or probation, but you don't, you don't go there, okay? When you don't go there, you're not being congruent, okay? You're not living congruently 
with what you really believe, your actions are not at all aligned with what you really believe should happen. Okay. Another example is around, this happens a lot around compensation conversations, whether it's with a person you're interviewing to bring on board as a new employee and you're evaluating them as best you can through the interview process and you're just not sure if they're the right, well, you're not, you'll, let's assume you think they're the right person for the job, but you're trying to figure out what their worth is, what's a fair compensation for them and that gets a little dicey, right? I mean, you could, you're worried about, I don't want to insult them. You know, they're, I don't exactly know what you're make, what they're making because, you know, by today's laws, at least, we're not supposed to be asking people what they've made. Uh, but you're, you know, so you're shooting a little bit in the dark there and you're worried about offending them, you know, off, making an offer that's less than what they believe they're worth or less than what they were making somewhere else, you know, or, you know, so forth, right? So it goes around that. Think about the employee that you are, or one of your employees and it's annual, uh, you know, uh, pay raise time, right? And um, and you're trying to figure out and justify, you know, are they worth, to, first of all, do they, they even deserve a raise? And if so, what should that be, right? These become, these can become uncomfortable conversations, but they don't have to be uncomfortable. It's what we make them out to be when we don't, when we're nervous about or planning not to act authentically, to not be true to ourselves and and confident in what we believe and then have a practice technique for delivering that message okay that's where we run into trouble that's where we opt out of being congruent and authentic okay and instead choose to be unauthentic and what happens who pays the price for that well we certainly do right if we're not being authentic we walk away from that conversation disgusted with ourselves why didn't i why didn't i have the the courage to say what i really wanted to say okay to pay them what i really wanted to pay them to suggest uh, and to or to bring up examples of where they really fell down on the job okay um and and so forth why couldn't i be more comfortable doing that as comfortable doing that as i am comfortable telling them when they did well when when they did good things and helped us and, you know, helped the company and, and so forth, right? I'm very comfortable with, with that kind of feedback. Why aren't I, why can't I be, and you can be, but why aren't I more comfortable with the critical feedback? Okay. So those are certainly very popular conversations I tend to have with clients that get really nervous around this idea of speaking their truth and having these frank, um, you know, conversations uh, with their employees, especially in the context of correcting behaviors and correcting performance issues with employees. You know, one of the other issues too, when it comes to employees, let's put the shoe on the other foot, is when the contractor themselves is not walking their talk, okay? This happens as well. So they're there saying, hey, this is the way it should be. Uh, they may have in our world, uh, at the Contractors Coach, we do something called uh, an exercise uh, for the betterment of the business called creating your, your code of honor, the, the company's code of honor, which is really a set of rules, it's very specific rules, rules about how people should act and behave towards each other, toward clients, and so forth, um, for the purpose of, 
of having a winning team. These are rules of behavior that will allow, if followed, will allow the team to work very effectively with each other, uh, work effectively with clients. So everybody's going to win in the scenario. And, um, and that's the purpose of it, right? Is to create that sort of culture inside the company. Um, and what if the owner is not walking the talk? Is they themselves are not following the code of honor or the rules that they, their expectations basically for behavior that they have for everybody else. You know, that is often a blind spot for many owners. They are not quick to see that in themselves. Uh, but there is a situation there where uh, what they, again, what they say and what they do are two different things. And you can best believe that the employees see that. See, I mean, they get it right away. You know, he is not doing what he's telling us he wants us to do, right? So this is, uh, comes out in the context of say, um, you know, you tell everybody, listen, we're going to have an employee meeting. For example, I want everybody to be there and I want everybody to be on time and I want everybody to participate and be engaged. And yet the owner shows up late, unprepared for the meeting doesn't have any talking points, doesn't have an agenda, an outline, nothing of that nature. It's just winging it. So you can see how that is an example of where the purpose, there was a purpose for setting up this meeting, for communicating. That's a really good thing, by the way, to do. We encourage all the business owners that meetings are extremely important. Communicating to your employees to let them know what's going on, what's happened, what, you know, since the last meeting, what's happening right now and what's going to be happening. And you as the business owner, it's on, it's on you to, you're the captain of the ship. Um, all of the uh, shipmates want to know, hey, captain, where are we heading? How's it going? right? This is your opportunity to share with them uh, what's working, maybe what's not working, and get ideas for improvements from everybody, you know, engage, get everybody engaged and participating in the betterment of the company. So if you don't come to that meeting prepared or you're late, okay, uh, what message does that send? Okay. People know you're, I mean, and you know, too, in your own mind, you realize you're late, obviously. You realize you're not prepared, so you might make some excuses. You might bumble and fumble and so forth. But in all that, you realize that, man, I'm just not, it's not congruent. My actions here are not congruent with what I know uh, and what I want uh, from this meeting. Why the reason, purpose that I set this up to begin with. So these are a variety of ways that I wanted to share with you that in my coaching sessions with clients, this, uh, this concept of, of living and being congruent, that how does it show up actually in the business? And particularly, specifically in the business or in the interactions between the business owner and the employees. So thank you for listening. And uh, thank you for joining us on Live the Dream. Thank you for tuning in to Live the Dream. Please join Karen Dillon along with Tom Pearson and Marissa Marseille for another program next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Have a dream living week.